talking about like following your gut and doing what is right for you and your child and um, not giving a shit what somebody else is thinking or saying to you if it doesn't sit right with you. And I don't mean that you're always going to be right, but you're never going to regret going the extra mile to find out one way or another. Welcome to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I am your host, Justine Carino, licensed mental health counselor. I am here to lean into conversations about relationships, resilience, and recovery from life's challenges in order to support you on your journey to finding clarity in what you want for your future. We will talk about the things that no one else really wants to talk about in order to help you heal from past wounds and create a life that truly fulfills you. Please note, this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome to another episode from the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. And guys, today I am talking to Caitlin Murray of Big Time Adulting. The Caitlin Murray, the woman behind the account. I want to say the man, the myth, the legend, but you're not a man. You're the woman, the myth, the legend. And when I say account, I say hands down one of the funniest mom accounts out there on Instagram. So welcome, Caitlin. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my gosh, what a lovely introduction. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. So I have Caitlin on the podcast for a variety of reasons. One, Caitlin shows up with such authenticity and realness on a platform filled with such bullshit on a daily basis. She's not afraid to talk about the hard parts of parenting, motherhood, being a mom, and normalizes all of the hard stuff for us and normalizes our feelings for us as moms. Two, because of her authenticity, I personally feel so seen on a daily basis and know thousands of other moms do as well. Three, she makes me laugh really hard, like out loud in my office when I'm scrolling through Instagram between my therapy sessions. And four, she has a son who beat leukemia, and I need her to share their family story of hope and resilience because that's what this podcast is about. I'm always impressed when people go through really hard stuff, and they are just so resilient in the way they do it. So, Caitlin, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your family, and how your Instagram account got started? Oh, I would be delighted to. Um, so I, uh, I am a mom of three and, um, I, I used to work in regular corporate world and then, um, I continued to work after my kids were born. Um, but when, uh, my third child came along, I went to become a, a full-time stay at home mom. Um, and, um, also like another big piece of the puzzle that led me to that transition of, of, um, going from working to, uh, just straight up momming, um, which is a whole shitload of work. Um, <laughs> but my son's, um, health status, he, um, had been diagnosed with leukemia when he was three years old. Um, and at that point it was just, um, him and my daughter who was, who was one at the time. Um, and, you know, so he, um, it, you know, I know moms are always curious or people in general are always curious as to like, how did this happen? Like, how did you know what happened? Um, and so, um, what happened is that, um, leading up, up to Christmas that year, it was December, 2016. Um, there, he, he was just off. He was like, 
definitely um, not himself, lethargic, horrible appetite, pale. um, And he was, he had gotten sick with like a cold or a flu. It was that time of year, but it was like, he couldn't pick it and um, he wasn't improving. And he was just coughing at night up all night with a cough for what seemed like over two weeks, like just what is going on here? Um, and so I, I had taken him to the doctor and, um, he, you know, they did like a, a little checkup on him basically as like a sick child checkup and they did not see anything that really concerned them at that point, even though I was like sick with worry at home. Um, and so a second time I took him back to the doctor, um, and this was just one particular afternoon. My mom was coming into town to visit for the weekend. It was the weekend of Christmas. It was uh, Christmas was on a Sunday, and this was the Friday afternoon. And I was going to pick my mom up at the train station, and I was bringing my son along with me, both kids, to greet her. And he had dropped that nap that little kids take, um, like around the time right before he turned three, pretty much. And um, he had started since this little sickness was going on needing to take a nap again and asking for naps and falling asleep all the time. And so I put him down for a nap this day and I went to go wake him up and he had been asleep for over two hours at this point and he didn't want to get up. He was still um, exhausted and he was, you know, fussing with me to get out of bed. And it was like, at that moment, I was like, this is not right. Something is wrong. Like my heart sunk through the floor. Um, and I got my mom from the train and we went and took my son right to the doctor. And I asked them for blood work there that day. And still they did not decide to do a blood test. And so we go home, it's Christmas weekend, it's Christmas day. He's still not improving. They're asking us to just monitor him over the weekend. And he's had a fever over the last probably week, had a fever. And then the day after Christmas, I just brought him back to the doctor and I was like, I'm not fucking leaving here without a blood test. And two hours later, basically, we had um, confirmation of not leukemia, definitely, but what something that looked a lot like the blood work of a leukemia patient. And they have to run a lot more invasive diagnostic tests to confirm that. So we were in in the emergency room of our local children's hospital within like three hours of that blood work taking place. And, you know, our lives literally changed overnight at that point. Um, I had this sneaking suspicion that it was cancer. Um, obviously I was like going to Dr. Google who you're not supposed to ever visit cause the guy's an asshole and you're always dying when you go to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so I did. And in this time, you know, it was the 1% chance that Dr. Google was right, uh, unfortunately. And so, um, you know, that brought a, that brought me into writing a lot about what was going on with my son. And I had started sending out these lengthy emails to family and friends about what was going on and updating them. But not just like, you know, here's what happened, A, B, C, D. Um, I really used it as like a, a a place of therapy. Um, the writing was super cathartic for me just to share what I was going through. And I was very like honest and emotional about, um, 
you know, our long days at the hospital and all of that stuff and sort of always tied in a life lesson story with it that I had been learning along the way. And so after about a year of that, I was, um, I had these posts on a blog and, um, I was speaking to an editor and, um, the editor said that, you know, um, they liked this blog, but people need a platform, um, and an audience basically. And so that's why I started my Instagram account, um, which was something I had kind of always thought about doing anyway. Um, just because I, in beyond talking about my son, I, I do touch on that, um, within my, my profile here and there, but it's certainly not the focus whatsoever of my account. It's really more just a motherhood in general and honesty about, um, you know, all the bullshit that we go through on a day-to-day basis with kids that, um, I didn't realize before I became a mom and, um, and that I was sort of surprised by, um, and definitely taken aback by how difficult being a mom is, um, and how much it changed my life. And, you know, I think that going through what we've been through with my son gave me, made me feel like I had a little bit of a license, um, to say whatever the fuck I wanted about being a mom. Um, and, uh, you know, cause you've, you can't be called like ungrateful, um, or any of that stuff when you've been through, um, a real life life threatening experience with your child. Um, there's no one more grateful than I am for the health of my son and, um, for, for my other children for that matter. But, um, so yeah, that's how I ended up going over to Instagram and started doing what I'm doing there now, which is a variety of motherhood things and, uh, mostly comedy, but some really heartfelt stuff too, I think. So, yeah, I have so much, um, to touch on about what you said first, like talk about mother's intuition here. Like you knew this wasn't just a cold. This wasn't just a, like a flu like thing going on here. You had this feeling like you needed to push for that blood work and thank God you did. And that's amazing. And I think a lot of people can relate to that of, am I just like catastrophizing here? Like, am I just looking on Google and thinking the worst case scenario? Cause that's what we do as mothers all the time. Um, and it's kind of like, it's such a nightmare. And as you're telling this story, like I have, I'm like, I have butterflies in my stomach. Like I feel anxious, like imagining being in your position that Christmas week, just knowing something was wrong and then finding out, oh, it, it is wrong. Like I knew it was wrong and it is wrong. And holy shit, now we have, our lives have changed overnight because of this. So wow to that. Um, and also in terms of your account, yeah, at first I came across your account and I, I like always called you like the funny dancing baby lady because you were always dancing with your youngest in the baby carrier and then as I got to know you I feel like I know you I'm like oh my god this is a whole different story like this isn't just a lady dancing around making other moms laugh like this content is so relatable and there's deep stuff attached to this and I like that someone else can complain about how hard motherhood is, right? And not just talking about the happy times. And then I'm like, whoa, she's a mom who parented a son with cancer. So it's like, I didn't realize where it all started. And this makes complete sense now. And it's such a meaningful, valuable account. And that has like so many facets to it. Like you can make people laugh. I think you could probably make people cry. Um, And it's just awesome. And if my listeners haven't checked it out, you guys have to go check it out. So I love how... 
you've created this space for moms um, and it sounds like you have some fun with it and a lot of people have fun watching you. But I want to I want to go back because I'm very intrigued by what happened next with your son. So after you guys um, got that blood work, went to the emergency room, what unfolded next? Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously like worst day of your life, um, you're just, I felt like it was like living in a nightmare, like, or just like a dream that I was like, am I going to wake up? Is this not, is this really happening? Like my son really has cancer right now. Um, and you know, had been born like a perfectly healthy child, no issues ever, um, developmentally just was sailing and, not what I expected to see in our lives. Um, so things can really turn on a dime. Um, and that's obviously like a huge part of my life lesson, um, and, and learning to, um, be present and live in the moment, um, more, which I'm not, I have not perfected, but I'm always working on. But, um, from there we had to go, um, we wanted to get him transferred to a, a different hospital, which was in New York city. Cause we live right outside of New York city. Um, so we, we wanted him to go to Memorial Sloan Kettering hospital, which is, you know, this world renowned cancer center. And so why not have him there when we, when we were fortunate enough to live close by and the hospital that we were at actually made it re- really difficult for us to um, take him out of there and transition to this new hospital because it's a business and they wanted the patient. And unfortunately they made the process a lot more painful than it needed to be. But that was another lesson of just like talking about like following your gut and doing what is right for you and your child and um, not giving a shit what somebody else is thinking or saying to you if it doesn't sit right with you. Um, And I don't mean that you're always going to be right, but you're never going to regret going the extra mile to find out one way or another. Um, And so just just keep digging until you feel like you've gotten an answer or result that gives you peace with what you're dealing with when it comes to, you know, the child, yourself, whoever. And um, so we started what what surprised me, I guess, most about this whole diagnosis was that his treatment was going to take over three years. Um, And so I had no idea about that. Um, I had no, I I didn't have any previous knowledge of childhood leukemia really. Um, But, you know, it it wasn't like, I think I went in there being like, okay, so what's going to happen? You know, six months of chemotherapy or something like that. And then we're done with this. Like what, what goes on? And it was just like a major, like, holy shit, this is our life for the next, um, three and a quarter years, basically. And, um, and it's hard because you are, you are going through something all of the time when you're going through a cancer treatment for a child or for anyone, um, in a fa- in a family, within a family. And it never isn't part of your focus, um, every day or even every hour, or sometimes every minute when things are bad. Um, so it was this kind of, you know, um, shift of learning to celebrate the little wins and, um, trying to be present and the dancing thing. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, like I've just stuck home with my kids and we can't go anywhere because germs are a major risk to his immune system at this point. 
and um like oh my god like what the hell am i gonna do all day again today with these guys and just like okay it's time for a dance party you know and just um like movement i always feel like is such a great anxiety reliever um and it was something we could all participate in so that was always kind of where my whole um my dancing on instagram they say um move your body change your mind yeah yeah and i feel that um it's a huge source of like like exercise movement all of that that's definitely where i go for my my relief my release i should say um but yeah so uh we were so blessed callum um he is seven and a half now and um last year in march finished his um just over three years of chemotherapy and it was a long road but thank god um you know he responded really well uh to his treatments along the way and um it wasn't easy and I wish he never had to go through all of that, but there were many lessons, um, learned, I think for us as a family and as parents and even Callum, um, as a little guy, um, came away with some, some good life lessons. And, um, and I think we're just super grateful to be where we're at now with all of this, because, um, certainly there are people who aren't as, blessed as we are, um, and haven't had the same outcome. And, um, you know, that's something that is, you you don't even want to think about. So we're just, I think we feel very, very happy, um, to be through it. And obviously the timing with him finishing treatment and the onset of a global pandemic was less than ideal in terms of being stuck home again. Um, so right when he finished treatment, the pandemic happens and you're like, Oh, we really aren't going anywhere. <laughs> We're staying here to ride out this yeah. pandemic now. Yeah. Cause when he was diagnosed, it was like, okay, his treatment will finish in March of 2020. And all of those years of going through the treatments with him, I just have my, my fucking eyes set on March of 2020. We're going to get there and then, you know, we can take a breath and, we had some trips planned to go on with the kids to just sort of celebrate um, closing that chapter, and um, and then you know we were we were faced with the schools shutting down and everything within a week of him finishing tri- treatment and back to you know living at home. And in a weird way, I felt like, well, you know what, we're we're equipped for this. We know what what it's like to be like stuck at home. It's okay. Like we can handle this. Um, but I didn't realize at that time how long this was going to go on and the cumulative effect of, you know, all the shit that, that you go through, um, and how, how anxiety and producing and stressful the year has been. So it's been, it's been crazy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And what was it like for him as a little guy going through his treatment? Was he, did he have to live in the hospital? Were you able to keep him home? Did he start kindergarten on time? What was all that like for you guys as a family? Yeah, he, um, at the, at the outset, he was in the hospital for about a month, um, a little under a month we were at the, at the hospital. Um, so it was my husband and I, um, we had a family friend, uh, a friend of a family friend who, 
lent us their apartment in New York, um, which was a couple blocks away from the hospital. And um, my parents and Mike's mom, um, my husband, Mike, uh, came to to help out with our one-year-old daughter while we would flip back and forth between being at the hospital or the apartment with her. And then from there, we were sent home and we were lucky enough to continue treatment on an outpatient basis for essentially the the entire rest of the time. But, um, you know, we were in the hospital um, pretty much twice a week for the first year um, for treatment and checkups. And then after that, it becomes uh, a little bit more spread out. So you're only in there once every few weeks unless you hit a a bump and somebody gets sick or that kind of thing because, you know, he's got he had a port in there and there's a, some risk factors that go along with having a port. Um, anytime you get a fever with a port, you have to go directly to the hospital, no matter what time of day or night it is. So, um, you know, that limited us in terms of where we could go or how, how far away we could be from the hospital. Um, and to always have sort of like a plan, like a, what if plan, if he gets a fever, like once in a while we would take a a road trip to Massachusetts to see like my family. Um, but always having to know where like the closest emergency children's hospital room was just in case. And yeah. So I don't know where I am with all of this now, but yeah, that's, that's kind of um, how the last year and then beyond has been. Wow. How I'm like thinking, how did you sleep at night? Oh, sorry, you said how was he? You were asking me how did you do as a little guy with all of it too, and I kind of forgot to yeah. answer that part of the question. But what what I will tell you is that um, he was um, little kids are great because they take whatever you say at face value, pretty much. So if you are able to just deliver them like what's happening in a way that's matter of fact without a ton of emotion behind it, um, they'll do pretty well. Like in my experience, so. He was awesome. And he has, I will say, um, compared to my other kids and even other kids I know, he just has like a very uh, unique sense of control over his like emotions and body and was just, he took it on the fucking chin like a champ every time. And I can't imagine having going through it with with anyone else but him, to be honest. And it just... um, he, he did great, but in terms of also just being able to keep it normal, it was nice because he was little. He didn't really have, he didn't have like friends. He was in school. We pulled him right out of school. He didn't give a shit. He was like psyched to be home and like watch a show, you know? <laughs> so that part of it could have been a lot worse with like an older child, but um, I thank God that he was little enough not to know what was going totally, on. Totally, totally. He's so strong. You and your husband are so strong. Extended family to go through something like this. And the level of like anxiety that you guys must have had to deal with on the daily basis. I'm just so curious of how you coped, like not only as a mom, right? But you had so many roles, like you're a mom, but you're someone's daughter. You're a wife. You're a mom to another child at this point. Like you're a friend, like you're a human being. So you had to prioritize being a mom for a child who's battling cancer. So you had to show up for him. How did you cope with this and the levels of anxiety you probably had? Um, You know, it's hard. I think when you're in it, you're like still in survival mode so much. Like um, I was just in go mode. Like it was like, I'm, I'm one of the 
those people, I guess, like if I, if I have like a task, like if I can help with something and work on it, then I'm, I'm better. But like, if I'm sitting and waiting or not, I don't feel like active in it, which is, this is all a coping mechanism for anxiety, right? Just Cause like action and like restlessness. Okay. What can I do? What can I do now? What can I do to help this? Um, but there were definitely times I like, I could not get out of my own way with my anxiety when it was like difficult treatment, um, cycles and he was really sick and had no immune system whatsoever. And I would just stay up at night worrying about the worst case scenario all the time. And, um, true, true anxiety of like worrying about the things that I had no control over and, um, and not being able to, you know, think about anything else in, in certain, at certain points of that journey that we were on. Um, but you, you know, you do some soul searching and some digging really deep about how to cope with that stuff. And just, um, kind of going back to what I was saying, which I, I still work on all the time, which is trying to be present, trying to, um, you know, hush those fears of the future that you can't control and just, be happy with where you're at right this minute. Is everybody okay right now? Is everybody okay right this second? Do we have a roof over our heads? Are we fed? Do we have love? Yes, yes, yes. And that's all you can guarantee in life. And it's really hard not to worry about the future, um, but there's really no sense in it. So It sounds like you were practicing mindfulness. Like if we were to label it, put a label on it, like you really coped with being in the moment, being present and like hearing those scary thoughts, but knowing when to shut them out and bring yourself back. Like, okay, we're okay now. Like I could live in the future in the worst case scenario all day, every day, like any mother would. But you're like, I have to survive. This mm-hmm. is survival and I'm going to be present and focus on every day. And that's what got you through it. I think that's fantastic. Um, I know on your account you've shared like about anxiety and what helps you at times. Was anxiety something that was present in your life before you went through this with your son? Or do you think it started once he got this diagnosis? No, I think that I've always run anxious. Um, I think that it's mostly, I think I probably managed my anxiety better at a younger age. Like I didn't give it as much power and, and weight. And I think as I got older, had children, had this situation happen and the stakes felt so much higher, um, that I started to give that anxiety a little bit more power and it would sit with me longer and I would feel it longer and not be able to let go of it because it felt like it meant life or death. And, um, you know, I'm still learning, but I know intellectually that that is a feeling and not a, a sign of the future or um, a fact about anything. But it's it's hard to shake it, and it's hard to train yourself to not let yourself spiral um, down the worst case scenario rabbit hole. So um, I think that I I definitely always had anxiety and would worry about like things that were completely out of my control as a, a younger person um, and catastrophic. Uh, wait, oh my, I, can't, I can never say <laughs> Catastrophizing. that Catastrophizing. <laughs> Catastrophizing. <laughs> I would do that all the time. Anyway, um, and so I'm starting, you know, there's a, there's a self-awareness that's going on more now in this like um, new phase of my life or whatever it is. And so, uh, yeah, 
always anxious, definitely worse since becoming a mom and since going through the situation with my son. I could to- I can only imagine that. And you make a good point though. I feel like once you become a mother, like you go from just worrying about yourself and you're like you can manage your anxiety if it's about yourself, but now you have these little people who you're responsible for and have to think of and take care of. And it's just, it can be so overwhelming and really spike anxiety. And that's why a lot of moms don't really seek treatment for it until they go through motherhood. They might have been able to manage it without talking to a therapist or going on medication before. And then motherhood hits. And then, I mean, put aside like postpartum anxiety, but then there's just anxiety of being a mom of these new responsibilities that we have. It's crazy. And It's funny, over the weekend, my husband and I went away for a night for the first time since I had my daughter. My mom came to stay and watch the kids. And before I left, I'm like, Mom, can you just continue to check my daughter all night to make sure she's not dead? And my mom's like, what? Like, I would have never thought that. She's like, why would that happen? I'm like, I don't know. Just continue to check her and make sure she's okay. Like, you can't help but have these scary thoughts. So then I'm imagining the position you're in where your son has a valid medical illness. So every day having to stay present with those thoughts must have been so overwhelming. What do you think your support system was at the time? Who did you lean on and what was that like? Well, 100% my husband um, and I were each other's like major support systems. Um, I feel like, um, you know, I really feel like I hit the jackpot because we had been really on the same page. And I I don't mean to say that we experienced it all completely the same because we were playing two different roles in the game. Um, And he was, you know, he was at work. pretty much every day, all day. And I was home with the kids. And, um, and so we were experiencing the whole situation in a very different way, but both really there for each other. And, um, so he was my definite major support system. And then I have, um, family in town, um, that have been amazing. My husband's family is, is around. So family and friends, a great friend network as well. And even just like, there's a lot of, um, people who just come out of the woodwork really, um, to show you support in ways that are just so touching and just that overall, um, sense of, wow, all these people sending such positive vibes our way. It just, the little things um, really meant a lot in that sense as well. Just receiving a text randomly from someone you hadn't heard from in a while to say, you know, thinking of you guys, that kind of thing. It's just so nice to know how many people showed up and cared. And Did you ever feel like there was a time where you felt isolated? Like you couldn't relate to other people or other moms because of what you guys were going through? Did you guys ever feel alone? Or did you always have a connection and still feel connected to other people in your life at the time? I think we did our best to stay connected to people as much as we could. Um, We were definitely super insular for a lot of that time because we were worried about bringing in outside germs. And um, I'd say we took that like very seriously. Um, We just weren't messing around. And so there was for sure... um, lengthy periods of feeling isolated. Um, but you know, we took that on ourselves and we 
we were okay hanging with our family. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad. Like we made our own fun and that kind of thing. So, um, but I got out, I mean, I did go and like, I'd have, um, dinner with a girlfriend or my sister-in-law who I'm super close with lives, um, really close by to us as well. And we'd see each other all the time. And, uh, so it wasn't the worst. In a lot of ways, I will say this past year was harder Interesting. in terms of isolating. Right. Yeah. Right. So your experience kind of prepared you for this past year to an extent, but it was a whole different type of isolation that you guys had to go through. But you were kind of used to being separated because you had to, to, pre- to protect your son at the time. Right. What do you think the most difficult part of your son's journey was for you as a mom? Um. Just the fear, you know, the overall fear that something could go wrong and he might not be okay. Um, I always felt like if someone could just tell me everything was going to end up okay, that I would be totally fine. You know, like I'll do anything. You know, you'd walk to the end of the earth and back a million times over if it just meant to have your children healthy. And so that's, I think, what was the hardest part, just the not having any guarantee and that that security blanket of nothing really bad happening up until that point, like really to us, um, it's taken away and that you can't ever guarantee anything in life and just um, kind of living a life under a new perspective. so it's an adjustment, but also so many, like I, I keep going back to saying like good lessons learned within that um, in terms of preparing, not, I shouldn't say preparing um, for how to deal with situations. Cause you should, you should always be hopeful that everything's going to be good, but like, you know, knowing how to deal with when the shit hits the fan. Yeah. Did you ever like seek any type of professional support during the time? Were there support groups for other parents of children or your own personal work? Was that ever a thing that you felt like you needed at the time or wish you had? Or did you engage in that type of support? Yeah, totally. So I, um, you know, it's funny. I went, so I did go, I tried out two different therapists. Um, One of them wasn't like great for me or I didn't give it enough time maybe. And the other one who I liked a lot, um, but I just didn't feel, I actually didn't feel like I was getting exactly what I needed or wanted out of therapy at that time. It was more like, um, I think that when I went to therapy, the, the doctors who I had spoken with were kind of focused on like how, what what I was going through more with my son on a day-to-day basis. And it wasn't about that for me. It was more about like this deeper, um, you know, feeling of um, like loss of a, like the life that I was thinking that we were going to be living at that time. And, you know, the loss of um, the feeling that I could do anything other than be caretaker to my son at that time and everything. So, um, it just, I did a lot, but to answer the question then I did do a lot of my own work with reading books that really helped me process like the feelings that I was having. And, um, I, I like, I love Eckhart Tolle. Um, and that's a lot about the being in the present and 
some real next level. <laughs> I love stuff, that, which stuff. I definitely. Oprah's always talking about Eckhart Tolle, and I listen to Oprah's podcast, and he's always Brilliant. making a cameo on there. He has such good stuff to say. I haven't read any of yeah, his books. He has a whole whole podcast with oh like that i've i've listened to all those i gotta go find that then no but that's amazing that you took it into your own hands you went you tried therapy out it didn't work and you make a good point it almost seems like the therapists were kind of more leaning into how your son was doing on a daily or weekly basis and i could see how one would get distracted by that like wanting to know how things are going and how that impacts you but it seems like what you were looking for was kind of this grief support because you were grieving the loss of the time you wanted to have with your three-year-old child. You didn't want to be parenting a child with cancer at the time. So there was a lot lost. You were loss of a dream or fantasy of what your life should have. You know, there's the shoulds that come up. I shouldn't have to be parenting a child like this right now. And my identity is solely his caretaker and mom. So I can see that's probably what you were yearning for and didn't get. Yeah, it's hard. I think it's also just really hard to go through, like, it's hard to put words to any of it when you're in the middle of it, you know? And so you don't even really know what you need because you're still just kind of marching on and getting through the day to day. And um, I, w- I, I don't think, I think now I'm more aware of how it affected me and what I would probably want to talk to a therapist about now yeah. rather than then where I was just like, I'm not sure. Cause I, you know, I didn't know how it was even all going to end. You know, I don't know how I feel. I don't know how this is going because we're still in it. You know, that makes sense. And I could also imagine the amount of commitment you had with, you know, parenting two kids. I know eventually you had a third and then being his caretaker with his medical treatments. It's almost like, how do I even find the time to commit to my own support when I need to show up for this little guy and my other kids too? It must have been overwhelming. Yeah, I think I thought if like I was going to take an hour a week to spend a lot of money that I would like rather go exercise and then go out for a really nice meal or something, <laughs> you know, like that would be therapy. Totally. To at that point. So, That's what you needed at the time. That's how you felt good about yourself or would have felt good. Yeah, I just needed, I needed help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how is your son doing today? He's fabulous. He's in the first grade. You know, he's really, it's uh, now he'll be a full year off treatment. Um, just in March, he's a full year off treatment. And so it's been like every day, basically, he explodes a little bit more in terms of, I just see him developing into, um, you know, the kid he is supposed to be and um, feeling well and physically so much stronger. Because in retrospect, now seeing um, the way that he is able to play and participate, and I know how shitty he was feeling then, um, because it's there's a definite contrast. Um, so it's really just a gift to see him just be able to play like a regular kid now and not have to worry about having a port in or, you know, a suppressed immune system or any of the other things that we were dealing with and just letting him go and spread his wings a bit. That's amazing. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for you guys. It must be such a new level um, as a family to be at this stage with him and his treatment and his recovery. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's um, it's wild. It felt like, you know, for so long, like you'd never get there. And um, 
And now that we're here, it just, it's, it's, I mean, I am literally brought to tears a couple times a week, just watching my kids play Mm -hmm. just like regular healthy children and just so grateful to be in this place with them because, you know, you just keep it together for so long, just waiting and waiting, um, for this time to come. And, um, and, and now that we're here, it's just, um, it's wonderful. It's so wonderful. Yeah, and it's such tears of gratitude. You know, we, we take so much for granted on a daily basis, and it reminds us that we can't. You know, life can change in an instant. Your lives did change in an instant, and there's so much gratitude you probably feel. So I'm curious, do you have any advice or thoughts for a family that might be going through something similar, that, you know, they have a child with a life-threatening illness Um, and they're in it right now, and they're really struggling, what would you say to that family? Yeah, it's so hard because everybody processes things differently and deals with it differently. Um, And I guess I would say, you know, there's a couple of things like always push, be your, you have to be an advocate for your kid. You know, you have to, um, push to get the answers that you're looking for and make sure that um, you're in the right, the best hands possible and all of that and kind of doing what you can do, the things that are within your control to help your child and then doing your best to let go of the, the other stuff that is not in your control and um, to just try to be present as much as possible in the moment rather than spending all your days worrying about the future. Because I mean, there were times that I went through being sure that my, that my severe anxiety over the state of my son's health was a sign of something bad and I was wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that is a good thing for parents going through something like that to remember that your, your fears are not facts. Um, they're just naturally there and that you don't have to give them all the power. And, um, and beyond that to, to do something for yourself that makes you feel better, whether it's writing about what you're going through, exercising, getting out of the house with, um, a friend or, you know, making time for a date night with your husband. And I know that sounds impossible to some families and stuff. And my husband's birthday is in February and my son was diagnosed, um, at the end of December. And I remember we went out for dinner that birthday and we had just been in this whole new world of leukemia for a month. And it was hard to be out and to even, I think we cried for most of the dinner really, but like, um, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard at first and it's hard to feel like it's okay to smile at times, but, um, it's okay to smile and it's okay to enjoy things and, um, you know, and still celebrate the little wins, um, along the way. So that's what I would say. I love that. That is Perfect. So well said. So, so well said. You know, you've shown up for so many parents in this pandemic. We probably don't even realize, like, 
just the way your presence is, you know, I'm thinking back to this pandemic winter, like in February when it was like 21 degrees outside and like you can't even go outside and you're stuck in and I've like breastfed for like the 50th time that day and I'm like scrolling through and up pops like one of your dancing videos and I'm like yes and like it just would change my mood and I'm like okay like I can turn this mood around I am so foul on this bitter cold Sunday morning but you know what like we can change our mood like shit happens and like you can do stuff to make yourself feel better and that's what it's about like you were you really showed up for people and I can speak for myself but I know like I have friends that adore your account it's just you're out there doing it and showing up for people in times where things are really hard and you've been through really hard stuff and I'm sure that's where it probably all comes from well like thank you so much that's really nice um you know i think at the same time i'm also keeping myself sane because um you know there's a lot of being humorous and like silly and funny is a great way to cope with shit when it's when when things aren't good you know and it's easy it's 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 not always easy to find the humor in things but if you look hard enough there's humor in all of it so yes, i love that I talk about that a lot with my clients too because I feel like a lot of people come to therapy like very serious. Like they know they're here to talk about serious stuff. But I love when I get to the place with my clients where like we're laughing week after week. We're like, we can laugh about this. Like it doesn't Mm – this doesn't have to be that serious. Like yes, we're here to talk about some serious shit. But like we can laugh and make jokes about it too. And I love when I get that type of rapport with a client because it just changes everything. You're allowed to laugh over hard stuff and that's what you do. That's how you show up for people. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. This was awesome. Um, How can listeners find you? Um, Well, you can find me. I'm really only on Instagram. So if you want to go to Instagram and find me, my handle is big time adulting, all one word. And that's, that's where I am. I love it. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. Please consider subscribing so you can stay updated when new episodes are released. And don't forget to check out the podcast show notes to find any resources that were mentioned in today's conversation. Thank you for listening and enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.